Appendix A, The Great Controversy, 1911 edition. A statement made by W. C. White before the General Conference Council, October 30, 1911. Addressing the Council, Elder W. C. White said, "It is with pleasure that I present to you a statement regarding the latest English edition of Great Controversy." About two years ago, we were told that the electrotype plates for this book, in use at the Pacific Press, the Review and Herald, and the International Tract Society in London, were so worn that the book must be reset and new plates made. This work has been done at the Pacific Press. Four sets of plates were made: one for each of our offices in Washington, Mountain View, Nashville, and Watford. In a letter sent to the managers of our publishing houses, I wrote as follows on July twenty-four, nineteen eleven. Compiler's note: This is the same as the letter of the same date that was addressed to our general missionary agents. After taking counsel with ministers, canvassers, and other friends of the book, we thought best to reset the texts so that the new edition would correspond as nearly as possible with the old. And although we could not use exactly the same type, the matter runs nearly page for page. Every chapter in the new edition begins and ends on the same pages, as does the corresponding chapter in the old edition. The most noticeable change in the new edition is the improvement in the illustrations. Each of the forty-two chapters, together with the preface, introduction, contents, and list of illustrations, has a beautiful pictorial heading. And ten new full-page illustrations have been introduced to take the place of those which were least attractive. The thirteen appendix notes of the old edition, occupying thirteen pages, have been replaced by thirty-one notes occupying twelve pages. These are nearly all reference notes intended to help the studious reader in finding historical proofs of the statements made in the book. The biographical notes have been omitted. And the general index has been enlarged from twelve to twenty-two pages, thus greatly facilitating the finding of desired passages. In the body of the book, the most noticeable improvement is the introduction of historical references. In the old edition, over seven hundred biblical references were given, but in only a few instances were there any historical references to the authorities quoted or referred to. In the new edition, the reader will find more than four hundred references to eighty-eight authors and authorities. When we presented to Mother the request of some of our canvassers that there should be given in the new edition not only scripture references but also references to the historians quoted, she instructed us to hunt up and insert the historical references. She also instructed us to verify the quotations and to correct any inaccuracies found. And where quotations were made from passages that were rendered differently by different translators, to use that translation which was found to be most correct and authentic. The finding of the various passages quoted from historians has been a laborious task, and the verification of the passages quoted has led to some changes in the wording of the text. This is especially noticeable in the quotations from the history of the Reformation. By J. Merle Daubigny, it was found that there were six or more English translations, American and British, 
which varied much in wording, although almost identical in thought. And in the old edition of Great Controversy, three of these had been used, according to the clearness and beauty of the language. But we learn that only one of these many translations had the approval of the author. That is the one used by the American Tract Society in its later editions. Therefore, the quotations from Daubigny in this edition of Great Controversy have been made to conform in the main to this approved translation. In a few instances, new quotations from historians, preachers, and present-day writers have been used in place of the old, because they are more forceful, or because we have been unable to find the old ones. In each case where there has been such a change, Mother has given faithful attention to the proposed substitution and has approved of the change. You will find that changes of this character have been made on pages 273, 277, 306 to 308, 334, 335, 387, 547, 580, and 581. There are still some score or more quotations in the book whose authority we have so far been unable to trace. Fortunately, these relate to matters regarding which there is not a probability of there being any serious contention. In spelling, punctuation, and capitalization, changes have been made to bring this book into uniformity of style with the other volumes of this series. In eight or ten places, time references have been changed because of the lapse of time since the book was first published. In several places, forms of expression have been changed to avoid giving unnecessary offense. An example of this will be found in the change of the word Romish to Roman or Roman Catholic. In two places, the phrase divinity of Christ is changed to deity of Christ and the words religious toleration have been changed to religious liberty. The statements made on pages 285 to 287 regarding the action of the assembly in its blasphemous decrees against religion and the Bible have been so worded as to show that the assembly set aside and afterward restored not only the Bible but also God and His worship. In the new edition, the rise of the papacy in 538 and its fall in 1798 are spoken of as its supremacy and downfall, instead of its establishment and abolition, as in the old edition. In each of these places, the more accurate form of expression has been duly considered and approved by the author of the book. On pages 50, 563, 564, 580 and 581, and in a few other places where there were statements regarding the papacy, which are strongly disputed by Roman Catholics, and which are difficult to prove from accessible histories, the wording in the new edition has been so changed that the statement falls easily within the range of evidence that is readily obtainable. Regarding these and similar passages, which might stir up bitter and unprofitable controversies, Mother has often said, What I have written regarding the arrogance and the assumptions of the papacy is true. Much historical evidence regarding these matters has been designedly destroyed. Nevertheless, that the book may be of the greatest benefit to Catholics and others, and that needless controversies may be avoided, it is better to have all statements regarding the assumptions of the Pope and the claims of the papacy stated so moderately 
as to be easily and clearly proved from accepted histories that are within the reach of our ministers and students. If you hear reports that some of the work done on this latest edition was done contrary to Mother's wish or without her knowledge, you can be sure that such reports are false and unworthy of consideration. Passages from the old and the new editions were read and compared to illustrate the statement read from the speaker's letter of July 24. Then Brother White said, Since the printing of this new edition, Mother has taken great pleasure in looking over and reading the book. Day after day, as I visited her in the morning, she spoke of it, saying that she enjoyed reading it again, and that she was glad that the work we have done to make this edition as perfect as possible was completed while she was living and could direct in what was done. Mother has never claimed to be authority on history. The things which she has written out are descriptions of flashlight pictures and other representations given her regarding the actions of men and the influence of these actions upon the work of God for the salvation of men with views of past, present, and future history in its relation to this work. In connection with the writing out of these views, she has made use of good and clear historical statements to help make plain to the reader the things which she is endeavoring to present. When I was a mere boy, I heard her read Daubigny's History of the Reformation to my father. She read to him a large part, if not the whole, of the five volumes. She has read other histories of the Reformation. This has helped her to locate and describe many of the events and the movements presented to her in vision. This is somewhat similar to the way in which the study of the Bible helps her to locate and describe the many figurative representations given to her regarding the development of the great controversy in our day between truth and error. Mother has never laid claim to verbal inspiration and I do not find that my father or Elder Bates, Andrews, Smith, or Wagoner put forth this claim. If there were verbal inspiration in writing her manuscripts, why should there be on her part the work of addition or adaptation? It is a fact that Mother often takes one of her own manuscripts and goes over it thoughtfully, making additions that develop the thoughts still further. The first edition of this book was published in California in 1884. When Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 3, was printed, there was some matter left over. A portion of this was printed in pamphlet form and circulated, and it was expected that Mother would proceed immediately to add to this matter and bring out Volume 4. Before Father's death, he had advertised the book, Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 4. When Mother brought out Volume 4, she and those who had to do with its publication had in mind the fulfillment of Father's plan. We also had in mind that it was written for the Adventist people of the United States. Therefore, with much difficulty, the matter was compressed so as to bring this volume into about the same size as the other volumes on the series. Later on, when it was found that the book could be sold to all people, the publishers took the plates and printed an edition on larger paper. Illustrations were inserted, and an experiment made in selling it as a subscription book at $1.50. In 1885, Mother and I were sent to Europe, and there the question came up regarding its translation into German, French, Danish, and Swedish. 
As mother considered this proposition, she decided to make additions to the matter. Mother's contact with European people had brought to her mind scores of things that had been presented to her in vision during past years, some of them two or three times, and other scenes many times. Her seeing of historic places and her contact with the people refreshed her memory with reference to these things, and so she desired to add much material to the book. This was done, and the manuscripts were prepared for translation. After our return to America, a new edition was brought out, much enlarged. In this edition, some of the matter used in the first English edition was left out. The reason for these changes was found in the fact that the new edition was intended for worldwide circulation. In her public ministry, Mother has shown an ability to select from the storehouse of truth matter that is well adapted to the needs of the congregation before her. And she has always thought that in the selection of matter for publication in her books, the best judgment should be shown in selecting that which is best suited to the needs of those who will read the book. Therefore, when the new edition of Great Controversy was brought out in 1888, there were left out about 20 pages of matter, four or five pages in a place, which was very instructive to the Adventists of America, but which was not appropriate for readers in other parts of the world. Much of the research for historical statements used in the new European and American editions of Great Controversy was done in Basel, where we had access to Elder Andrew's large library, and where the translators had access to the university libraries. When we came to go over this matter for the purpose of giving historical references, there were some quotations which we could not find. In some cases, there were found other statements making the same point from other historians. These were in books accessible in many public libraries. When we brought to Mother's attention a quotation that we could not find and showed her that there was another quotation that we had found which made the same point, she said, Use the one you can give reference to so that the reader of the books, if he wishes to go to the source and find it, can do so. In that way, some historical data have been substituted. Now, with reference to the statement that the people at Washington or the General Conference Committee men have been doing this or that, right or wrong, in connection with this book, it is important that you should have a clear statement of facts regarding the matter. Our brethren at Washington and at Mountain View have done only that which we requested them to do. As stated in the beginning, we took counsel with the men of the publishing department, with state canvassing agents, and with members of the publishing committees, not only in Washington, but in California. And I asked them to kindly call our attention to any passages that needed to be considered in connection with the resetting of the book. When it was pointed out that some of the historical data were questioned and challenged, we asked them to give us a written statement that would help us in our research. They did as we requested, and nothing more. All decisions as to what should be changed and what should be printed word for word, as in the old edition, were made in Mother's office by persons in her employ and working under her direction. Therefore, it is no occasion for anyone to say a word against the General Conference committee men or the literary men at Washington or against the book because of anything done by the brethren in Washington or elsewhere in connection with this work. 
We are very thankful to our brethren in Washington and to many others for kind and faithful, painstaking labors in looking up those passages that were likely to be challenged by the Catholics and other critics. We were also profoundly thankful to our brethren in England and on the continent, and also to brethren in Boston, New York, and Chicago for helping to find in the great libraries and verify those quotations that were difficult to locate. They have done this work at our request and to help us in what we thought ought to be done. The uses made of the results of this research are seen in the historical references at the foot of the page and in the appendix. The appendix in the old book, as you remember, was partly explanatory, partly argumentative, and partly apologetic. But such notes seem to us to be no longer necessary, and the 31 notes in the new edition are chiefly references to historical statements showing the correctness of the statements made in the book. We felt that it would be of value to the studious reader to have these definite references to the statements of well-known historians. Copy of a letter written by Elder W.C. White, Sanitarium, California, July 25, 1911. To the members of the Publication Committee, Dear Brethren, In the accompanying letter to our state missionary agents, I have made a brief statement about the changes that appear in the new edition of Great Controversy. A study of these changes may lead some to ask the question, has Sister White the authority and right to make changes in her published writings, either by addition or by omission, or by any change whatever in the forms of expression, the manner of description, or the plan of the argument. The simple statement of some facts regarding the writing of her books and the enlargement and development of the story of the great controversy between Christ and Satan may of itself constitute an answer to this question. It is generally admitted that in Sister White's discourses spoken to the people, she uses great freedom and wisdom in the selection of proofs and illustrations to make plain and forcible her presentation of the truths revealed to her in vision. Also, that she selects such facts and arguments as are adapted to the audience to whom she is speaking. This is essential to the attainment of the best results from her discourses. And she has always felt and taught that it was her duty to use the same wisdom in the selection of matter for her books that she does in the selection of matter for her discourses. When Mother was writing Great Controversy, Volume 4, in 1882 to 1884, she was instructed regarding the general plan of the book. It was revealed to her that she should present an outline of the controversy between Christ and Satan as it developed in the first centuries of the Christian era, and in the great reformation of the sixteenth century, in such a way as to prepare the mind of the reader to understand clearly the controversy as it is going on in our day. While Mother was writing this book, many of the scenes were presented to her over and over again in visions of the night. The vision of the deliverance of God's people, as given in chapter 40, was repeated three times and on two occasions, once at her home in Hillsburg and once at the St. Helena Sanitarium, members of her family sleeping in nearby rooms were awakened from sleep by her clear musical cry, They come, they come. Several times we thought that the manuscript of the book was all ready for the printer, 
and then a vision of some important feature of the controversy would be repeated, and Mother would again write upon the subject, bringing out the description more fully and clearly. Thus the publishing was delayed, and the book grew in size. Mother regarded this new book as an expansion of the subject as first published in Spiritual Gifts, Volume 1, 1858, and now found in Early Writings, pages 210 to 295. And notwithstanding the divine instruction regarding the plan of the book, which has made it so useful to the general public, Mother felt that it was addressed chiefly to the Adventist people of the United States. Later, in preparing for a wider circulation, she omitted a few portions that had appeared in the earlier edition. Examples of these may be found in the chapter entitled The Snares of Satan, pages 518 to 530. In her first visions of the lives of the patriarchs, the mission and teachings of Christ and his apostles, and the controversy as carried forward by the Church of Christ from the Ascension to our day were at first presented to her in outline and were written out in brief, comprehensive articles as we find them in early writings. In later years, one group of subjects after another was shown her in vision repeatedly, and each time the revelation brought out more clearly the details of the whole or of some features of the subject. Consequently, Mother has written and published her views on the various phases of the great controversy several times, and each time more fully. That which was published regarding the fall of Satan, the fall of man, and the plan of salvation in early writings occupied eight pages. The same subjects as published in Patriarchs and Prophets occupied thirty larger pages. That which was published in 1858 about the life of Christ, as found in early writings, occupied 40 pages. The same as published in 1878 fills over 600 pages of Spirit of Prophecy, Volumes 2 and 3. And as now published in Desire of Ages and in Christ's Object Lessons, it fills more than a thousand pages. In Great Controversy, Volume 4, published in 1885, in the chapter Snares of Satan, there are three pages or more of the matter that was not used in the later editions, which were prepared to be sold to the multitudes by our canvassers. It is most excellent and interesting reading for Sabbath keepers, as it points out the work that Satan will do in persuading popular ministers and church members to elevate the Sunday Sabbath and to persecute Sabbath keepers. Currently found in Testimonies to Ministers, pages 472 to 475. It was not left out because it was less true in 1888 than in 1885, but because Mother thought it was not wisdom to say those things to the multitudes to whom the book would be sold in future years. With reference to this and to other passages in her writings which have been omitted in later editions, she has often said, These statements are true, and they are useful to our people, but to the general public for whom this book is now prepared, they are out of place. Christ said even to his disciples, I have many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. And Christ taught his disciples to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Therefore, as it is probable that more souls will be won to Christ by the book without this passages than with it, let it be omitted. Compiler's Note a statement by Marion Davis. Regarding changes in forms of expression, 
Mother has often said, essential truths must be plainly told, but so far as possible they should be told in language that will win rather than offend. W.C. White, Letter, July 25, 1911.